Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Dope Black Podcast. This is the Dope Black Dad Podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. Today I'm joined uh, by wonderful friends. Uh, what's really beautiful is that I've now made this my home. I've adopted this country that on the country has adopted me, but I've adopted it. Um, and as a part of that, um, some of the people that I've met here, um, we've done some incredible stuff. We've spent some amazing time together. We're now um, in this space for our first podcast of the year, our first visual podcast of the year in Johannesburg. I'm joined by the Tabo. The level, and I don't know how to say your name properly with the full chest. The Gahiso, because he gave it, he gave it, and look, my anglicized tongue. You have to really honor the fact that we have come from a very marginalized place that reduces your ability to connect with your authentic African self. And so, how I say things doesn't give it the gravity. I don't want to do you a disservice, so I want you to say it with the energy that it deserves, and I will try to mirror, mirror it and honor you properly. My name is Gahiso Lafalto, which means peace. Mm. What comes with peace? Now, just a just an elephant in the room. You feel peaceful to me, so I feel like you've been appropriately named. Yeah. So I'm going to honor that. But like today, um, we're all here together, and what's really beautiful is like I was here a year ago, and uh, we experienced the, the loss of one of our members, and I really wanted to talk to Level first about one of our members that we lost, but generally how we deal with loss and some of our wins that we've had throughout the last calendar year. Um, Lebo, do you want to give context to to Wandile that we can honor? Yeah, yeah. Wandile was like, you know, he invented culture. Um, he walked, he crawled, so a lot of people could walk today. Um, and he was the most giving person of himself. He made, yeah, I was speaking about it on radio today, he elevated intimacy. Um, and always find a way to insinuate himself in your life so that <laughs> You can't imagine your life before you met him. It just feels like there's someone that's just always a part of your life. And it wasn't, he had that relationship with everybody, which was quite remarkable when Wendy passed. And the stories that people were sharing about Wendy was like, wow, they're all so similar, you know? So he had those unique bonds with so many people. Um, and yeah, lost him to COVID. And it's a year later. And I think. The crazy thing about this time in history is that you, because at that moment there was so much loss that you we never had an opportunity to like properly deal with it. Mm. Uh, you know, like loss was always such a sort of like aberration 
uh, but it, in that moment it felt so like normal and so routine, sending condolence messages. So we've got an entire sort of society that like won't be able, like we can't fathom the trauma that we went through collectively mm. because it was just so crazy, uh, the scale of the loss. And I think that it's, we're going to need to find a way to like heal from this moment. And I think it'll probably only take us maybe like, I don't know, 10, 15 years to like look back and be like, wow, that was, mm. that was a crazy, crazy time where people weren't, people, people were just like numbers, people were just like mm. stats, people were percentages, you know? mm. and I think that a lot of people, yeah, like lost loved ones, but they became just another number in the news. Mm. So that was, that was, that was kind of like, sort of at an individual level, you lose someone, but at a broader level, you are like one of many people that has lost someone, so it was just such a crazy time. What was nice is I think that we were able to to honor him. And I think like um, around about that time, there was a lot of loss in general, as you mm. mentioned. And it was kind of just like, wh like what, what does this mean a little bit? Because it's so hard to mourn when a day later, somebody else, two days later, somebody else, somebody else was on the news. I think last year, like from London perspective, we're quite US centric anyway. But I think in like a month, it was like Shock G, DMX, Black Rob. That was like March. Mm. And you're like, you, I grew up listening to those people and watching those people and like connecting with them with their art. Then in our real lives in January, we lost about three people. I know I lost three people. Throughout the last six months of the year, I lost another seven people. So I'm just going through this time and I realized I never even bothered to mourn any of it. It was like, as soon as I felt something, it was like, oh, there's another thing or mm. there's something else to do. And there was a sort of collective mourning of just where we were. Mm. So it almost felt uncomfortable to sit there and be like, I'm going to mourn this and I want space to mourn this because it was like so much going on everywhere. Did any of you feel that type of feeling? Yeah, mourning became, for the past two years, it became tragic because now you're not, it became like a prepaid something on the shelf. You pick up something, you mourn, you do whatever. As you say, one day, today is a, it's an anniversary of his death. You know, you were speaking with him on the other day, now he's gone. While you were still trying to digest his passing as a friend, suddenly there's other people that are either close or far away. Now, statistically, you lose the connection and you focus on the stats. Mm. And you're more worried about, will I make it through this week? Because mm. now it hits home. So we, we did not be able to, whether it's family, friends, partners, or any type of relations that you engaged with certain individuals, is that you are even scared for yourself. So the morning time is, or you receive the death and you, you just come kind of late for five minutes and you, you break down mm. and you must take yourself up. While you're taking yourself up, it hits again that mm. someone has passed away. So we became members mm. than humans. It's, sorry, it's such a good point. And I think another thing as well is that the kind of, the, I guess what you could call the processes that were put in place to help people mourn death, which is, you know, you've got like a week in which everybody comes together and you like spend time <coughs> together. Mm. All of that was taken away. So we couldn't even, you didn't even have the ability to just go collectively mourn. Mm. Because I was now scared that like, you, we might infect each other mm. and you might, I might infect you and I might, you know what I mean? So it just was, 
it was like brutal, brutally lonely. Yeah, I think um, to your point, for me, um, what I what I actually struggled with um, a lot was the fact that um, you couldn't go through the, the the prescribed normal processes of actually getting to mourn people. You know? mm. And um, most of the time, obviously, with with uh, with people dying at the at the height of of COVID, you couldn't even go like pay respects. Um, like you normally would do, mm. um, so you so you had to sort of mourn at a distance, um, mm. disconnected like from from other people. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I know t- technology is is a is an enabler, but like in a situation like that, um, especially as Africans, the way that we we we, we would normally um, show up for other people would be mm. to physically be there and actually mm. um, use acts of service um, to sort of support. Um, the people that are actually going through, um, you know. Another thing I'm really aware of, and we spoke about this earlier, just like uh, the ability to share emotionally. And obviously we have our space, we do have those conversations in there. But like, what what does it feel like? And can you even describe, because I think sometimes for men, we don't get heard on how we feel. If we said, we're going to lead a nation somewhere, people are like, oh, maybe. Okay, I'm going to have a listen. If you say, I'm sad, or I'm struggling, or I'm unhappy. Do you think it lands? And how do people show up for you in those times? If at all, I have no idea. Um, if I'd come in there, remember it's prescribed and expected that uh, we have many idioms culturally that say, Munakinku um, doesn't cry, so you are a sheep. Everything else you express it. So. COVID or the past two years, I think did allow or give men permission to say, can I please grieve? This is too much, Mm. you know? And while we as men are trying to say, we we experience pain, it was then shunted by certain things that can put the cancel culture, feminism never gave a man a voice because now, People said, but you've been men for all the lives. Mm. But throughout of our lives, no one has given us to express the pain. Mm. Because everything that a man is supposed to do, you're supposed to be the provider, the protector, the everything in your household or as a community. Mm. But you are not expected to be weak and down and grieve amongst the people that you love. Mm. You know? Uh, seeing someone at, at, at Wandy's funeral, some of us were there, it was very hard as a man to see a bulky man that I knew shedding a tear. That, that was you, you're the bulky man, you're talking about yourself. You know, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm lucky that at home, uh, for crying, it was uh, said, you're allowed to cry. Mm. And there's another man when Shona, if I'm diverting, will tell me, when Shona Ferguson cried and I saw Tato Sikwane shed a tear, you know, if you see how gigantic the man is and you realize that the relations and breaking down, they always say, Pula then tears, when they come out, they wash the pain away and give you a rejuvenation mm. as a man. Mm. Yeah. Do, do, do you cry in front of your children and your wives and your partners? Have, you, have they ever seen that side of you? Of, um, probably two years ago. Two years? 
Wow. Yeah. I cried in two years. Yeah. Oh man, you need to cry. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it was when it when it did happen. It was quite. It was quite. It was quite. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, um, <laughs> From eleven years on to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No man, I, I feel as though like um, to Chris's point, um, we've been we've been um, caring a lot like mm. all these years, you know. Mm. Um, so when 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 something triggers those emotions, you're not only um, letting it out based off like the situation that's in front of you. It's it's just it's 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 years and years of, of emotions that have been sitting there um, and they catch you like all at once. You know, I, I think I had a I had a bit of a meltdown. I, I think my wife probably <laughs> she was probably shocked. You know, mm. um, I probably cried for for an hour. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Like, Mm. It's quite yeah. I saw some like what was it reported that like suicide rate in South Africa has increased by sixty percent. Damn. And the majority of the people who commit suicide in South Africa is is, is black men, mm. right? So they're the, so they're the, the most prominent. So if you think of, if you think about what that tells you about the last two years mm. that men have gone through like immeasurable pain, and I think it is a confluence of like. COVID or the loss that Lisa was talking about, but also the loss of like resource, jobs. Mm. You know, I mean, you just walk around and you can see that like homelessness is like there's just so many much more, there's so many more homeless people. You just look around, mm. it's crazy. Yeah. So you've got men in the last two years that have lost income, that have lost people, yeah, yeah. and as a consequence of not having any spaces or channels to be able to express that, you know. Mm. I, I'm I'm curious because I I because I resonate with that and I know that to be true. And if I was to say, why are women not, because this is happening to them too, why is it not turning into the devastating act of suicide? For women. Yeah. Well, do you, just, just a view, we don't know, but like. Yeah. If I was to speculate, I think it is this kind of, let's call it a theory uh, that like, you know, uh, it's the strong, it's the strong woman theory or the fallacy, whatever you want to call it, mm. the notion that. Like women must be strong and they must carry and da 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 da. da. You know what I mean? Like bear the emotional burden of society. Mm. So I don't even, I don't even. Yeah. Sorry. I think I I would beg to differ. Um, I think I think it's it's largely because of the fact that society gives women permission to 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 actually um, to actually express emotions when things are not going well so obviously that takes off off some of the load and then you can sort of refocus energy um, and and, and find the world to live you know whereas men um, you you then sit in your in your quiet corner um, feeling shame right and then um, that then culminates into you not not being able to express it and then eventually when it when it does bubble to the to the to the surface um, Mm. it results in, 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 in things like so you're saying men are more likely to commit suicide than women because men don't have channels to express themselves emotionally whereas society has given women a platform to express themselves is that what you're saying well, yeah well, I'm partial to that theory well not not necessarily that maybe society maybe that's reductionist yeah, yeah. yeah but maybe society giving women um, permission is probably a wrong expression but there's no shame around women expressing um Emotions that are generally associated with with weakness when it comes to men, right? So, so, so 
I'm not going to cancel you, Tom. <laughs> 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 you can say that. But I'm saying, we need to look at our reality mm. to understand. In our reality, a woman would meet up whether there is going to mourn or bailolila, because a wailing, they're going to the deceased house, or when women meet. We can meet up as gents, not knowing each other. We can talk about things that are tangible. But women are likely to share an untangible emotional yeah. stuff and come up with a solution there and there. Mm. You know, if you have not heard it or you know, is that men gossip more than women. Mm. But a woman will share that pain because a woman will come and they will meet up and say to the bereaved one, who sorry you've got a loss and whatever he says i've got this loss but this bloody bastard had girlfriends and what what and then they will all give her a certain advice of how to deal with it before the funeral because mm. she's sitting on the mattress and she says who we had girlfriends they say if he's got a baby child that out there out there how we deal with it <laughs> our women will give that <laughs> advice you know through loss they will find humor through loss they will find a connection and share vulnerability because mm. they know how to be vulnerable. But us will come and say, hey, I know lives as a secret, but until he speaks about it, uh, I won't talk about it mm. as a man. You know, this, he won't share because he will be afraid that other men will... Uh, do, do, do you just think it's just a weight of expectation? of what masculinity is. It's, it's, it's a very, di- and, and women have it in a different way, but the things that we have are usually external, it's very extrinsic things. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. ...that we are measured on. And it's like the outcome of what we create is what's measured. And I think... The consistent, strong woman at home is what is celebrated, like being that woman. And when you're, when you're, I think as men, we're operating in a world where we're like trying to create something. And if you look at key points and you can't provide, 
the shame, the weight of shame, like of not being able to provide, not being able to be strong at a time, not being able to um, create safety in a particular way. If something happens in your house and you couldn't protect your family, the weight of that shame, because almost like that's, that's what you're here for. Like that's what you're good at. And I think, you know, I love our space because we speak and, and we say things that, so I cry often, usually by reading these things, because it just, I, I, I know, like I know it to be true. And I think internalizing hundreds of men for years, I know, I know something's not right. Mm. But I think what we can, we can raise our hand and be like, something isn't right here. But then I think now we then need to think, what do we do about it? I said this to I said this once and it was to a woman and it was a, it was a it was a, a leap a leap of understanding but it was just like when we talk about women's progression and we talk about men's progression we regularly center men as having things right like what we got in the world is better and it's almost like this ascension into closer to what we've done like you know career money wealth you know, owning things. And, and, and we never talk about men being more emotionally available and better connected. Better connected to our children, better connected to ourselves, being able to say to ourselves, something isn't right here and making a pause. And I think in that, it's like, we're probably more trying to create a more feminine society than we are trying to create a more masculine one. But we're not doing the work in the feminine space with men. We're doing more masculinity work. And I think we're just disconnecting from um, from each other when we do it. So it's almost like women are doing this over there, men are doing this over there, but somehow we have to cross over. But the focus is in like our own things. There is no community vision of what men and women should be coexisting as and what actually is happening for us and what we actually want to do and who we actually want to be and the freedom to be those people. So here the clash comes. Um, and which is like can be cancelled, there was a contradiction that came. I'm a man. The only thing I know is to be a man and I take instructions from the females around me, from my mother, my girlfriend, and my, you know, my late partner. Be careful. <laughs> so I used to take um, instructions from her, everyone. The, when the house is led by a woman and it falls, it's very easy for people to make plan for it. Mm. But when the man that leaves the house, can you imagine this, the story of Egypt? Moses, if he had failed to, 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 to take the Israelites out of Egypt, it would have been another different conversation, mm. you know? But because he succeeded, it will always be reminded that a man must be like Moses, you know? There is, a, I don't know if it was a feminist or this comedian, Felix Trope, said, how does a man who's unemployed sweat over a woman, you know? And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy trying to say? So if I'm unemployed, I must not have conjugal rights, mm. you know? So it has become where being a man in this masculinity, trying to be feminist, it now becomes an economical thing. So which mm. paints me as a man, if I'm not working, I'm experiencing trauma, I'm useless. Mm. That's how the society and feminism mm. is describing me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, uh, to answer you, Marvin, um, men's intrinsic value is is 
linked to capitalism, mm. right? Um, and to Garissa's point as well, um, it's, so everything that, that you sort of have to tick in terms of you being accepted by society has to do with, with having things, acquiring things, you know? And um, if, you, if you fail when it comes to, to those capitalistic um, items, um, you, 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 you sort of don't see a need to then focus on the, on the softer side. So, so a father who, 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 who doesn't work suddenly um, doesn't see the, the need to actually be, be a, a, a present father and mm. things that are necessarily linked to money because society doesn't necessarily clarify that. Mm. So then in the archetype of masculinity, how close or how far away are you would you consider yourself as an individual from that vision? They're like, I provide, I'm the strength, I'm the wisdom, you know, I I create the strategy for what we're doing. Like how much of that versus, you know, a more balanced approach to it with your, your partner, would you say? So, so part of the reason why I I, I had the the breakdown, the famous breakdown, was actually linked to that feeling of inadequacy. Right? Mm. Um, at the time, things things were, were not going well, and um, as a man, as a as a husband, you, you obviously have um, a certain vision in terms of where you you actually want to see yourself and family and. Um, how you actually because 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 in in the in the African context, when you marry someone, you 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 supposed to take them from from a, from from a, from where they are to sort of like a like a like a better place, right? So, like it, 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 it it's it's a shitty feeling when you feel as though you're letting down the person that you've you mm. know, that you've taken on this on this journey with, you know. So I think part of the reason was um, I was feeling a lot stagnant and I, I, I felt as though I was actually letting her down mm. um, and then those emotions then, you know, did she feel like you were letting her down or was not that at all or I your own exactly it's because I because I never t- took the time to actually have a conversation with her <laughs> to actually find out so um, a lot of a lot of these uh, these negative thoughts uh, we actually project onto ourselves mm. right? because we, we're so closed off like men don't you don't even um, you don't even see the need to sit down with, with your partner and actually like Talk to them, find out where they are in terms of. In terms of yes, that goes back to Marvin's question, Marvin's question about crying in front of your partner. But I've got a question for you guys, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've been doing this. We've been doing dope black dads for like three three years. Mm-hmm. Podcasts we recorded for a thousand minutes. Mm-hmm. Podcasts shared millions of words or text. Are you guys satisfied with? Like the conversation. Do you guys think the conversation is actually progressing? Like, based on what we're talking about at the beginning of this thing, talking about masculinity, talking about female, dad, roles, dad, men. Do you guys think that the conversation is progressing? Do you find yourself having different conversations? Do you find yourself getting a, like a better understanding of things like vulnerability? Like, where, what's your yeah? Idea? It's funny because, like, obviously, as the founder, there's an element of setting the pace and. Like you create the authenticity by being the authenticity of what's going on. And so, and also I get sent a significant amount of more information. I get the good, the bad and the ugly all sent to me directly in my phone every day, whether it's like, I hate that podcast, that tweet was stupid. This moved me and made me cry. So but also it's like, oh, the stats on men now on suicide. I just get sent this stuff every day and I'm ingesting it. 
So I would say the conditions are getting better. The conversations are much more, much more healthier. I've had more conversations with men online and offline about giving a shit about their actual self and how they feel than I ever have in my whole life, com- like combined easily. It's also the first time in history that the conversation has been incentivized, right? So the first time you actually feel like there's an actual benefit to having the conversation. And I guess maybe, yeah, and I think I've said this before, but it's the work of generations. I don't think we'll be able to see the benefit of these conversations in our lifetime. I think mm. it's only our sons who are going to be like, there was a group of men that went out <laughs> and started doing some stuff and only, you know, the trickle-down effect. Because mm. I think it's like, like you said, four years of dope black dads mm. measured up against hundreds of years of men being... Going in the wrong direction. Emotionally absent, emotionally dead human beings just kind of walking through as capitalist zombies. Mm. Moments, I think it's only now. So I think maybe that's, it's something that I find encouraging. The reason I ask that is because sometimes I get frustrated. I'm like, ah, we can't still be talking about the same stuff. And then mm. you take a step back and you're like, oh my God, we'll only be doing this for four years. You know? And I think that's, so, and that's where I suppose, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a goer, doer, I'm like pushing forward. And what I've got to realize is we've been, I've, I've been doing this for four years, but the conversation now still just lands with people for the first time today now. <laughs> and there's a group of people who are like, what? I can talk about this. <laughs> like, yeah, we've been talking about it for four years. Where we're at now is like, and I'm trying to do 4.0 of masculinity where the 1.0 has, is just being awoken. So I think, I think it is about patience. I think it is about consistency. But I think there's just got to be a graduation. I think like, and this is something for me personally, where I, I've been in, I was, I was in therapy three years before I started Dope Blood Dads. I had answered questions that I needed to answer before I'd even started. So I shared my gift of awareness when I started from where I was. People started walking into their own journeys of like, I'm going to go to therapy. Then that spreads that to the next year. But then now I had a bigger question. So 2021 is my next question. I go away and now I have my answer on that question. But then I'm in a completely different work stream to the people that have just arrived today who were like, oh, there's a group. And so (laughs) I may not be the best barometer for where men and fathers are at today. And so I think it has to be handed on to other people to be on the front line sharing their story because your story now, like you saying you haven't cried for two years, is like, I cry probably twice a week, three times a week. My daughter makes every time. Every time, it so just gets me. Do you cry, so, do you cry um, when you're happy? Do you cry all the time. It could be any emotion. My, I think yesterday we were talking about something. We were talking about doing this podcast and you were talking about Wondili and I, I, I started welling up. I'm like, yo, because I remember. I remember what it felt. I remember how we all interacted at that time. And it just, it just, it, it, the, you know, his passing sucked the energy out of everything that was happening. Mm-hmm. We were actually very happy previously. We were all together. We were in uh, Parkhurst and we were like hanging out. Masito was here. Mm-hmm. We were having an amazing time. We were laughing, meeting up. And then that happened. And I just didn't, I didn't care about anything anymore. Mm-hmm. I just remember I didn't, and I didn't even know him, mm-hmm. but I, the, the way it felt, I didn't want to do anything else. And I'm saying, 
you know, that journey of going from crying to every day or whenever my daughter just says, that's something incredible. And I'm like, you're going to make, you're going to help us in the future. You're incredible. <laughs> you know, I'm excited compared to like, you know, two years, but now you're probably doing it more. And so all of those journeys, I think we have that in us and we've got to honor that and be like, actually it's a graduation. And if we're being long life, consistent partners to men on their journey, we have to accept that it will always be a conveyor belt. But we need spaces where I'm advanced and I've been not even advanced, but I'm further along in my journey and I have a different conversation to I just started out today to I've never even heard of therapy. What do you mean therapy? What does that mean? Like that person and I will not see the world the same. And so that's maybe something that we can consciously create is how to demark people in the different parts of their journey. So, sorry, we have to wrap as well. So. Yeah, we have to wrap. So even, sorry, now you, even things like therapy, it's still happening in a very generalist sense. You know, mm. people are talking about therapy generally. There's like 10 different types of therapy yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So we haven't even gotten to the point where we're speaking about different types of therapy. We're just speaking about therapy, therapy. as a general yeah, therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was your So the therapy that comes, it's, there's a formal therapy mm. and there's the non-formal therapy. Fathers with daughters, it's their daughters that introduce the therapy. Because mm. if you grow up from a house that has a, a, a cohort gender, your behavior towards life becomes different than where a house that is full of a father who's got three boys. He wouldn't know how to handle a girl child or not, or the boys would not know that they got to share. Mm. So those fathers with daughters, then they start saying, how did my father-in-law, now the father-in-law becomes the therapy session of saying, your princess becomes this. So that's where we, as this masculinity, the therapy that you're talking about, it starts crumbling from the father that you fear. Mm. Remember when you meet this guy's daughter, you fear him, he's good. He's just that uh, wild lion protecting and you see him melt around his daughter. So cohesively, you're trying to say, what can I learn from the man that raised this woman I love, mm. this woman that I get to be vulnerable with, and how does he say yes and no and still get a hug with a smile? Mm. Non-formal therapy, that is incredible. Mm. <laughs> Can we just quickly close with like just yeah. a simple tip on how you deal with loss or how you have dealt with loss or how you would advise now upon reflection? Be silent, cry, and say, uh, cry out for help. Mm. So that's what people will know that you're suffering. Mm. Really? I'm the worst person to take advice from, but I did cry a lot because of Wandi, but also because just 2021 was a, just a year of immense loss. But I found that the T-shirt project also mm. helped me with Wandy's loss. Mm. Like we doing the Wandy T-shirts. That not not to say like I kept him alive, but it was something I could sink my teeth into that just helped me. So I think like uh, I mourn and cry, but I think some kind of like a project, something that you could do to honor the person. Mm. I just found that that worked really well for me. And we're moving into the second phase of the project and it just feels, it just makes me feel so connected to him. Mm. So I think some kind of like physical way, some physical marker, I think that, that works so often. So, yeah. Tomo? 
Um, yeah, I think the guys have obviously mentioned um, some of the basic things that, that you that you can do, obviously dealing with, with your emotions um, head on, um, um, cry, take the time to actually mourn. But I also think that um, never forget to show up for those that were close to um, a person that you, mm. that you that you care about. We will speak on that more because I think yeah, that's yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people um, tend to sort of forget those that are that are left behind, um, you know, because they have a bigger burden to to bear. So I think show up for for them. Mm. Yeah. Powerful. Bro, thank you so much. Very much appreciate thank it. You thank you for coming much. through. Um, I'm going to leave you guys to do these next ones on your own bro, afterwards, but like um, in the future weeks, because I think these conversations are fundamentally important and they're not, they're not happening enough. But thank you all. Very much appreciate it. Dope Black Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.